European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance. Volume 44, Issue 20. Focus Issue, Thrombosis and Antithrombotic Treatments. By Editor-in-Chief Professor Filippo Crea. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. Thrombotic and Bleeding Complications During Antithrombotic Treatment. The Need for New Therapeutic Targets. This is a focus issue on thrombosis and antithrombotic treatments. Remarkable progress has been made in the pharmacological management of patients with cardiovascular disease, including the frequent use of antithrombotic agents. Nonetheless, bleeding complications remain frequent and potentially life-threatening. The issue opens with two related state-of-the-art review articles on an important clinical topic reversal of antithrombotic drugs. In the first state-of-the-art review article entitled Reversal and Removal of Oral Antithrombotic Drugs in Patients with Active or Perceived Imminent Bleeding, David Kao and colleagues from the ICANN School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York, New York, USA, note that therapeutic interventions relying on prompt antithrombotic drug reversal or removal have been developed to assist clinicians in treating patients with active bleeding or an imminent threat of major bleeding due to urgent surgery or invasive procedures. Early phase studies on these novel strategies have shown promising results using surrogate pharmacodynamic endpoints. However, the benefits of reversing stroke-removing antiplatelet or anticoagulant drugs should always be weighed against the possible prothrombotic effects associated with withdrawal of antithrombotic protection, bleeding, and surgical trauma. Understanding the ischemic bleeding risk trade-off of antithrombotic drug reversal and removal strategies in the context of urgent high-risk settings requires dedicated clinical investigations, but challenges in trial design remain, with relevant practical, financial, and ethical implications. Over the past 20 years, there has been a shift from vitamin K antagonists to direct oral anticoagulants, or DOACs, which include the thrombin inhibitor dabigatran and the factor XA inhibitors apixaban, adoxaban and rivaroxaban. In the second state-of-the-art review article entitled Reversal Agents for Current and Forthcoming Direct Oral Anticoagulants, Nick von S. and colleagues from the University of Amsterdam in the Netherlands, note that although DOACs are associated with less serious bleeding than vitamin K antagonists, bleeding still occurs with DOACs, particularly in the elderly and in those with comorbidities. Reversal of the anticoagulant effects of the DOACs may be needed in patients with serious bleeding and in those requiring urgent surgery or intervention. Reversal can be affected with specific agents such as idarocizumab for dabigatran and andexanet-alpha for apixaban, adoxaban and rivaroxaban, or with non-specific agents such as prothrombin complex concentrates, activated prothrombin complex concentrate and recumbent activated factor 7. This review, one, provides an update on when and how to reverse the DOACs, two, describes new reversal agents under development, and 3. provides a strategic framework for the reversal of the factor 11 inhibitors currently under investigation in factor 3 clinical trials.
prognosis of patients with atrial fibrillation, or AF, and ischemic stroke while taking oral anticoagulation is poorly understood. In a clinical research article entitled Outcomes of Patients with Atrial Fibrillation and Ischemic Stroke While on Oral Anticoagulation Alexander Bentz and colleagues from McMaster University in Canada aim to characterize the outcomes of patients following a stroke event while on oral anticoagulation. Individual participant data from five pivotal randomized trials of antithrombotic therapy in AF were used to assess the outcomes of patients with a post-randomization ischemic stroke while on study medication, warfarin, standard dose or lower dose direct oral anticoagulant regimen, during trial follow-up. The primary outcome was recurrent ischemic stroke after the first post-randomization ischemic stroke. The primary analysis included greater than 1,100 patients with a first post-randomization ischemic stroke while on study medication, median age 73 years, 39% female, 35% history of stroke before trial enrollment. During a median continued follow-up of 337 days, 74 patients had recurrent ischemic stroke. Cumulative incidence at one year, 7%. The cumulative incidence of mortality at three months after stroke was 12.4%. Consistent results for the incidence of recurrent ischemic stroke at one year were obtained in an analysis accounting for the competing risk of death, 6.2%, and in a landmark analysis excluding the first two weeks after the index stroke, and only including patients without permanent study drug discontinuation since then, 6.8%. The authors conclude that patients with AF and ischemic stroke while on oral anticoagulation are at increased risk of recurrent ischemic stroke and death. These patients currently have an unmet clinical need. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Karl Georg Häusler from the Universitätsklinikum Würzburg in Germany. Häusler notes that on the basis of the present analysis, a statement cannot be made regarding either the optimal time point to restart oral anticoagulation or whether switching to another oral anticoagulant is useful after ischemic stroke while on oral anticoagulation. The switch towards prescription of a twice-daily DOAC is frequently observed, which seems plausible in context of the comparable half-life of all four DOACs available, which is approximately 11 to 17 hours. He also notes that there is no proven benefit of adding a platelet inhibitor on top of oral anticoagulation in AF patients, according to randomized controlled trials or observational studies. With knowledge of the subsequent increase in bleeding risk, adding a platelet inhibitor should be considered as a therapeutic option in highly selected patients for a limited period of time, e.g. after percutaneous coronary intervention, carotid stenting, or in patients with symptomatic intracranial stenosis. Mechanisms of thrombosis are complex and still incompletely known. Variants of the junctional cadherin 5-associated, or JCAD, locus associate with acute coronary syndromes. JCAD promotes experimental atherosclerosis through the large tumor suppressor kinase 2, or 
LATS2 stroke hippo pathway. In a clinical research article entitled JCAD promotes arterial thrombosis through PI3K stroke AKT modulation, a translational study. Luca Liberale and colleagues from the University of Zurich in Switzerland investigate the role of JCAD in arterial thrombosis. JCAD knockout mice underwent photochemically induced endothelial injury to trigger arterial thrombosis. Primary human aortic endothelial cells, or HAECs, treated with JCAD small interfering RNA, abbreviated to SI-JCAD, LATS2 small interfering RNA, abbreviated to SI-LATS2, or control SIRNA, abbreviated to SISCR, were employed for in vitro assays. Plasma JCAD was measured in patients with chronic coronary syndrome or ST elevation myocardial infarction, or STEMI. JCAD knockout mice displayed reduced thrombogenicity as reflected by delayed time to carotid occlusion. Mechanisms include reduced activation of the coagulation cascade, reduced tissue factor or TF expression and activity, and increased fibrinolysis, higher thromboembolization episodes and D-dimmer levels, and reduced vascular plasminogen activator inhibitor, or PAI1, expression. In vitro, JCAD silencing inhibited TF and PAI1 expression in HAECs. JCAD silenced HAECs, or SIJCAD, displayed increased levels of LATS2 kinase. Yet, double JCAD and LATS2 silencing did not restore the control phenotype. SIJCAD HAECs showed increased levels of phosphoinositide 3 kinase, or PI3K, stroke protein kinase B, or AKT, activation, known to downregulate procoagulant expression. The PI3K stroke AKT pathway inhibitor, Vortmanin, prevented the effect of JCAD silencing on TF and PAI1, indicating a causative role. Also, co-immunoprecipitation unveiled a direct interaction between JCAD and AKT. Confirming in vitro findings, PI3K stroke AKT and PES-associated protein levels were higher in JCAD knockout animals. Lastly, as compared with chronic coronary syndrome, STEMI patients showed higher plasma JCAD, which notably correlated positively with both TF and PAI1 levels. The authors conclude that JCAD promotes arterial thrombosis by modulating coagulation and fibrinolysis. Herein reported translational data suggests JCAD as a potential therapeutic target for atherothrombosis. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Thomas Gusig from the University of Edinburgh and Keith Channon from the University of Oxford in the United Kingdom. The authors conclude that the work by Liberali et al. suggests a potential novel therapeutic role for JCAD inhibition in acute cardiovascular events dependent on increased arterial thrombogenicity. This is important as considering the effects of JCAD on vascular dysfunction, thrombogenicity and inflammation, 
it may serve as an essential candidate for effective targeting of divergent mechanisms of residual cardiovascular risk. Achieving this will require the development of specific pharmacological JCAD inhibitors and an understanding of its broader physiological functions to ensure the safety of such approaches. The broad effects of JCAD reported for other non-classical risk factors of cardiovascular disease, such as non-alcoholic statohepatitis, may make it an even stronger candidate for future therapeutic approaches. JCAD is an exciting exemplar of how a previously unknown CAD genome-wide association study hit can reveal new insights into CAD pathogenesis and the potential for new therapeutic targets to address residual cardiovascular risk. Thrombolysis plays a key role in the treatment of pulmonary embolism, or PE. In the Viewpoint article, Thrombolytic Treatment of Life-Threatening Pulmonary Embolism in Times of Alteplase Shortage, Fredericus Klock from the Leiden University Medical Center in the Netherlands, point out that in 2022, Böhringer Ingelheim announced that its production capacity for recumbent tissue-type plasminogen activator will, for a variety of reasons, be unable to meet the current global demands for tenecteplase and alteplase, and thus, shortages in the supply of both drugs were to be expected in many countries throughout 2022 and 2023. This unexpected situation sparked intense discussions at multiple levels within hospitals and national authorities in an attempt to determine which patients the reduced quantities of the available drug should be reserved for. While consensus exists that patients with acute ischemic stroke should not be deprived of thrombolytic treatment, this article wishes to draw awareness to the fact that clinically unstable patients with acute high-risk PE are also in urgent need of pharmacological thrombolysis, particularly alteplase, in order to survive the acute phase of the disease. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will be of interest to its listeners.